0: friends, grab your favorite cup of tea, coffee, or cocoa, and settle in for Sips from the Sips from the Utica Institute Museum. Sips from the Sips is all about sharing the history of little known people and places in Mississippi. We're serving up truth, justice, with a dollop of sass. I'm your host, Jane Green. Today's episode is the 15th of a multi-part series of readings and discussions from the book, Black Man's Burden. William Henry Holtzclaw was born in 1874 and raised in rural Randolph County, Alabama to sharecropping parents. The Tuskegee Graduate founded the Utica Normal and Industrial Institute for the Training of Colored Young Men and Women in Utica, Mississippi in 1903, making it the first Little Tuskegee to be established in Mississippi. The Black Man's Burden, the autobiography of William Hall, published in 1915, made him one of the first black men to publish a book in Mississippi. Chapter 8 discusses Hall's first attempts at fundraising. Chapter 8 While I am relating the story of the struggles of what is now the Utica Normal and Industrial Institute, I must not fail to mention one of its earliest friends, the late president of the Board of Trustees, the Reverend R.C. Bedford of Beloit, Wisconsin. In fact, Mr. Bedford's interest in the work at Utica dates back to a period before its founding, for when I told him a year before I went to Utica that I expected to settle there, he promptly came down from Illinois, went to Utica, and made an examination of the conditions there before he would permit me to undertake the work in Mississippi. Soon after I had begun work at Utica, he paid me a visit and passed several days with me, assisting suggesting and advising as to the best way to proceed. Ever after that, until his death, he made from one to two visits to Utica annually, always bringing with him many helpful suggestions in regard to the work. I have met a few men who have been as much interested in the development of the Negro and of all the people of the South as Mr. Bedford was. Time alone can tell the value of what this man did for us. In those early days when we were confronted at times almost with starvation and when things seemed hopeless, it was the constant letter that came from Mr. Bedford that brightened our pathway, strengthened our hearts, and made it possible for us to stand firm. His faith in the possibilities of the work at Utica was always strong, and he was one of the few persons that I have met whose belief that we would succeed anything like approached our own. He was a true friend of the Negro. The work grew day by day. While its influence was spreading, the task of maintaining the school was becoming even more burdensome. Outside assistance had to be found and I went to Boston and New York. I had already been in correspondence with Mrs. Mary Clement Levitt, who had become somewhat interested in the work. I had also interested Mr. John Wells Morris, a Boston attorney, who sent me his check for $10, the first outside assistance that I received from my work, and it came at a time when I was nearly ready to give up. It may be that this one gift saved the situation when I reached Boston I had three dollars left from my long trip I used one dollar and a quarter of that to pay for a small room for a week for a room that was not heated in which there was scant furniture and I was not accustomed to the northern climate with the rest of the money I purchased a meal ticket by this time I was absolutely without a cent The next day, I called on Mrs. Levitt, told her my story, and she, becoming greatly interested, did what she could for me. She had just returned from a trip around the world, and she had thus had the opportunity to come in contact with various races of men. This trip had stimulated her interest in humanity as a whole, so she often said, and had inspired her with a keen desire to help the colored people of her own country. She accordingly entered enthusiastically into my plans and sought to devise ways to help me. From that day until eight years later, when she passed away, she was my constant friend and helper. She had been a school teacher in Boston for many years and had, in this way, become acquainted with a great many people. Besides that, in her public work in the Women's Christian Temperance Union, she had come into close touch with many of the best women of the country. The largest single donation that has ever come to the institution came from the estate of the late Mr. F.B. Ginn of the well-known publishing company of Boston of that name in 1907. Mr. Ginn, in his boyhood days, had been a pupil of Mrs. Levitt, and when she called on him for a contribution, or rather put me in touch with him, he probably subscribed $500 towards the purchase of a large plantation which we now own. A few months later, although he was in good health, he seemed to have a premonition of what was to come and wrote me a letter asking if I would rather take $300 then or wait and take $500 when I had raised the $25,000 for the purchase of the plantation. I promptly replied that I preferred to wait for the $500. Meanwhile, before I had raised the $25,000, Mr. Gann had passed away. But in his will, he did not forget what he considered his obligation to the work at Utica. This is one instance of the many that took place during that first week in which Mrs. Levitt introduced me to some of her friends in Boston. The week was passing. My meal ticket had been punched until there were few meals left, and I had begun to fear that I should have to give up the room. I called on man after businessman in Boston, but was turned away, frequently with scant consideration. At length, my earnest prayers were answered, and by the merest accident, I called to see Mr. Edwin D. Meade, who seemed to me to be one of the really great men of New England. He listened attentively to my story and read Dr. Washington's letter, one from the governor of Mississippi, another from the mayor and other friends in Utica, and still another from Mr. W.J. Edwards, with whom I had previously worked in Snow Hill, Alabama. After he had read these letters carefully and had questioned me closely, he invited me to lunch the next day at the 20th Century Club. I enjoyed that luncheon for several reasons. One was that my meal ticket had been punched for the last time the night before. There, I met a number of prominent men, among them Dr. Charles F. Dole, who has ever since shown a lively interest in the Utica School. I addressed the 20th Century Club for five minutes and received many congratulations, and the next morning I received from Dr. Dole a contribution of $7.50, which was sent with its cordial good wishes. Since that time, Dr. Dole, Mr. Meade, and others whom I was fortunate enough to meet at the club have been constant friends and supporters of my work. Meanwhile, the school was not prospering at home. There was such dissension among the local supporters that it seemed as if the project would be broken up in spite of all I could do. To check this, I decided to hurry back before there had been time to make the trip north worthwhile. Just when I had nowhere to turn for help, I received a check for $100 from the John F. Slater Fund of New York. It was the first $100 I had ever received, and it seemed a tremendously big sum. I hardly knew what to do with it. The workers for whom it was intended would not accept it, and I thought it too much money to put into one schoolhouse at one time, so I began to devise a number of wonderful things to accomplish with so large a sum. Stern facts, however, showed that it would not go very far toward the completion of the building, but it did go far enough to avert an impending disaster and to save the institution to do its share in bringing about the results for which we are all working in the South. In spite of all difficulties, the school was growing both in influence and reputation among the local white people. This is shown by the following editorial, which appeared in the Utica News, a paper edited by one of the leading young white men in the town. There is in our community, just outside the corporate limits of the town, a movement which I feel we do not fully comprehend. It is an industrial school founded by William H. Holtzclaw and his wife, two Negroes from Booker T. Washington School who seem destined to do work here among us for the good of all the people, a school that is of more significance than we at the present time realize. I frequently make use of the newspapers to put the interests of the school Before the people of both races in the community and in all these communications I sought to make clear that the Utica Normal and Industrial Institute was a sincere effort to improve the conditions of the masses of my own people in the community. I knew that the best white people were perfectly sincere in the belief that many of them held that education was not a thing that did the Negro any good. I knew also that the best people in the community, if they were moved by no higher purpose than their own interests and the interests of the white race, would support any effort that they were convinced was really for the good of my race. For that reason, I took every means I could to advertise among the white as well as the colored people the practical results of our work. I did this to convince the community That education did actually make better and more efficient men and women of the Negroes. That a Negro was, or could be, a real asset to the community. That he could become an efficient, law-abiding citizen, preventing disorder and promoting peace between the races. Thank you for tuning in for Sips from the Sip. Joining me next time to discuss Chapter 8 will be Mrs. Magnolia Hampton be sure to tune in for what I'm sure will be an interesting discussion. The Utica Institute Museum is dedicated to expanding knowledge of the history of Utica Institute and its role in Southern Black education. This program is supported by donations from our listeners. If you enjoy learning about the history of William Holtz Law, the Utica Institute, and Mississippi, consider donating. To support Sips from the Sip and all the work at the Utica Institute Museum, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Utica Institute. Until next time, this has been Jean Green coming to you from the heart of the Sip.